And so, Father, the world is in darkness. And you are the light. Invade this world. Invade us right now. Be the light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, this morning's sermon is like rated R, just telling you. It's rather adult, so uh, I don't know if there are any kids in here, but just be forewarned, okay? Um, Several years ago, I was in my office uh, up at the building that we used to have up on Lookout Mountain Road. It was around four o'clock in the evening on a Friday. I was getting ready to go when I heard a voice out in the entryway of the church. I walked out to see this uh, young man standing in the entryway. His hair was wild, his eyes were wild, darting around and yet distant. His clothes didn't match. Actually, he had no pants. No pants, no shoes. Fortunately, he had underwear. I asked him what he needed and he said, a pair of pants would be nice. I then asked him what had happened. He he looked at me in an utter seriousness. He said, do you want the truth or a lie? And I said, "Um, well, okay, I guess uh, let's, let's try the truth. And he told me his story. He said, I drove out here from Michigan. I parked my car up here on Lookout Mountain Road and I had a religious experience. So I took off all my clothes and wandered in the woods for two days. You know how it is. <laughs> and I said, uh, well, um, sorta, kinda, I guess. And they said, when I got back, someone had taken my pants with my keys and all my stuff, and I'm locked out of my car. And so I said, well, gosh, um, what can I, I do for you? And he said, a pair of pants would be nice. <laughs> and that was it. I then realized that this fellow kind of lived in a different world than, than me. And I really wanted to help him. So I drove him over to Evergreen Outreach and he got some pants and some shoes and nothing else. And I kept asking him, you know, questions to see how I could, could, could help him. I, I wanted to make some sense out of this tormented man sitting next to me in the car, but there was no reason, there was no logic, there was no light connecting his world to, to my world. On the way back in in the car, I was inquiring as to his needs for money, shelter, anything, something. And, And finally, he turned to me. He put his finger to his lips, and he did this. Shh. 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 And then he said, you ask too many questions. Well, that wasn't the first time I had heard that voice. Wouldn't be the last. Ironically, I think I've heard it the most from religious folks. Heard it in youth group growing up, camps as a teenager. Because I'd ask a lot of questions. I'd ask questions like, well, how do we know that this whole Jesus thing is true? Well, how could God create the world in in six days and, and yet it looks like 15 billion years? 
Where did evil come from? And, and if God is love, if God is love, why would he torture people forever with, without end? And inevitably, someone would get frustrated with me and say, shh, shh, shh. You ask too many questions. Have faith. Have faith in what? Have faith in Jesus, the truth. Well, isn't it because I have faith in the truth that I'm asking all these questions? Didn't Jesus say, seek and, and you will find? And isn't Jesus the truth? Isn't he? So let me ask you this. If an unbeliever seeks the truth, isn't he a believer in the truth? Or he wouldn't seek it? If an unbeliever seeks the truth, isn't he a believer in the truth and thus seeking the truth? And Jesus is the truth, and so he will find the truth, which is Jesus, if what Jesus said is true. So, who has more faith in Jesus, the truth? A, a sinner who desperately seeks the truth, or B, a religious person that says, shh, stop asking questions, just have faith. Who has more faith in Jesus, the truth? If Jesus is the truth, well, then he is objective truth, right? I mean, he is the truth apart from me, outside of me. He is the truth out there, but he is also the subjective truth. He is the truth within me when I'm truthful. And so to be truthful is to be Jesusful. To be truthful is to have faith in the truth. Faith in the truth is called honesty. Some people think faith is actually dishonesty. A voice that says, shh, shh, shh. Stop asking questions. But faith in Jesus is faith in the truth. It's honesty. So, so Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the way to the truth. Therefore, the only way to know the truth is to be truthful. In other words, it's Jesus that causes you to ask honest questions. Honest questions, not lying questions, honest questions. Shh, you ask too many questions. Who says that? Well, in the last few years, I've heard that an awful lot from religious authorities. Peter, you can ask questions in private or with us, but don't ask them in front of the laity, the people of the church. Let your questions be our secret, for your honesty hurts the cause. What if honesty is the cause? Christ in us, truth in us, honesty. <laughs> Too many questions. Sometimes, you know, I, I tell myself that. 
Peter, life is, life is hard enough. <laughs> just, just watch TV. Don't ask Susan how she's really doing. <laughs> Don't ask the kids how they're really doing. Because the truth might hurt. Just watch TV, and Peter, uh, don't ask any questions about that anxiety deep in your heart, the fear in your own heart. Bury that. Bury it in the dark and pretend everything is okay. Shh, 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 Keep your questions, your fears, your anxieties a secret. Bury them in the dark. Shh. Do you ever tell yourself that? Shh, you ask too many questions. If you would, close your eyes for, for just a moment, okay? I'll, I'll tell you when to open them, but I want you to close them, and, and I just want you to think about, number one, your rights. Okay, you're an American. It's Labor Day weekend. Life, liberty, pursuit of, the ha- of happiness. And, and, and two, think about your freedom. And now think about your possessions. Your accomplishments, degrees, awards, good decisions, and hard work. Think about your accomplishments. Think about your life. Now, what if, in a moment, you could see the truth? But the truth revealed that, number one, all your rights are an illusion. You deserve nothing. No one owes you anything. Two, your freedom is really bondage. You are being programmed. by powers beyond your control. All your possessions aren't yours, they're stolen, so you hoard them while other people starve. Your accomplishments are an illusion, your generosity is really selfishness, your love is really lust, your good deeds are as filthy rags. Your life is really a a walking death. I mean, if the truth revealed that, would you want to see it? If the light revealed that, would you prefer darkness? And now you may say, well, that's an interesting thought experiment, but I know it's not true. If it were true, I'd have to be like, you know, mentally ill, and my entire life, my entire life would be an illusion. Okay, if in a moment you could see the truth, but the truth revealed that you were an illusion, like an apparition, like like a ghost, Would you want to see it? If seeing the truth meant losing your life, would you want to see the truth? Well, dang, the truth would have to be pretty awesome, huh, for you to want to see that. (laughs) So you can open your eyes. Open your eyes. Just a question. Well, like I was saying, the man with no pants turned to me and said, shh, 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 shh. you ask too many questions. 
And at that I realized I could not reach him. He was alone. I dropped him off at his car, not knowing what he'd do, where he'd go, or who he was. I mean, he was like a ghost. And, and this is the wild thing. In one sense, he was so entirely, utterly free. So free that he constructed his very own world. He was, he was free, free from the truth. And yet when I dropped him off, I felt like I dropped him off in hell. There is no greater bondage than freedom from the truth. Stop asking these questions. Turn off the light. John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus is at the Feast of Booze. He's uh, at the Feast of Booze. Remember, we started talking about that like in May because it starts in chapter 7. Uh, the Feast of Booze where they celebrated the Israelites' journey from bondage to their homeland uh, following the pillar of fire, the light in the wilderness. Jesus has just told the woman caught in the act of adultery, neither do I condemn you. From the now, go and sin no more. And then he says this, uh, verse 12, John writes, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God is light. That's 1 John 1.5. Jesus is the light of the world, John 8.12. The true light that enlightens every man, John 1.9. Light. You know, light's amazing. Light's, light's a mystery. Scientists can't figure out what it is. It's almost personal. Seriously, whether it appears as a particle or a wave, ask, ask a scientist this, depends upon the person that is observing it, their faith, their expectations. Light's a mystery, and light is eternal. Uh, scientists have discovered this, that all time is relative to the speed of light. That means that a photon of light, whatever that is, they're not sure, but a photon of light has no past and it has no future. For a photon of light, everything is eternally present in the now. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Light, that photon of light, is the now. Isn't that weird? And there are different spectrums of light. Right now in this room, there's infrared light, there's ultraviolet light, there's light that you can see, and there's light that you cannot see. According to scripture, there is light you can see with the eyes in your head, and there's also light that you can see with the eyes in your heart. I think that's called faith. Well, anyway, that's why there are blind people who see far better than seeing people. Well, the light that we see tells us about the light that we don't see. Apart from being the foundation of all space and time, think about what light does for you. I mean, imagine walking into a room that's pitch black and full of obstacles. What is the first thing that you try to find? The light switch, right? Because the light reveals things. It reveals what that thing was that just smacked you in the shin. That was the coffee table. It reveals what that weird noise was over in the corner. It was the cat. The light reveals things and the light judges things. Your suspicions about the cat, were they true or false? Turn on the light. 
What's happening in the room? Is it good or bad? Well, turn on the light. The light reveals things and the light judges things and the light connects things. Imagine if I turned off all the lights in this room and it was pitch black outside and then I said, in the name of God, square dance. I commanded you to square dance. People get hurt, right? Swing your partner around, smack, ow, ah, that would hurt, that'd be, that'd be awful. And you'd probably stop dancing. So imagine if I said, dance harder, try harder, dance faster. Oh, it just, it would, be, it would get worse. People would get hurt more. But imagine if someone went over, found the light switch, and flipped on the light. Well, then dancing might actually be fun. Light connects things. According to John, God is light and God is love. The love, or the light, is love. And maybe that's the reason we don't love. Maybe the reason we don't love is not that we don't try hard enough. In fact, the harder we try to love, the more we often don't love. Maybe the reason we don't love is because we haven't seen the light. And what's the light? The light is truth. And the light is love. When we reject the light, we disconnect ourselves from life. Like a ghost. Perhaps you've, you've met some. I mean, people that you see or hear, but people with whom you cannot seem to connect. It's like they're empty, empty of anything real, like an apparition, a ghost. When we believe lies and speak lies, we become a lie and turn ourselves into a ghost. The primordial lie was spoken by a snake in a garden long ago, and it goes like this. God is not good, and so he cannot be trusted. And so you should take matters into your own hands and hide in the dark, alone, in a lie. Well, light reveals things, judges things, connects things, and frees things. Remember, Jesus is saying these things at the Feast of Booze. A high point of the feast was the evening of the first night. Four immense lamps or, or lights, torches, were lit in uh, the, very, um, uh, the very courtyard of the temple in which Jesus is teaching. When these torches were lit, they were said to illumine all Jerusalem. And remember that uh, the new Jerusalem is to be entirely filled with light and check this out we are the new Jerusalem well each night of the feast when the torches had been set ablaze the wisest and the holiest of men in all of Israel would gather around the light and all night long these old men would dance celebrating freedom freedom from bondage because of the power of that light the pillar of fire the light revealed truth, judged wickedness, and led Israel from bondage to their homeland. The light set them free. It was then and there that Jesus said, I am 
the light of the world. The world. Soon he'll say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a light, not a way, not a truth, not a life, but the light, the way, the truth, and the life I am. The Gospel of John is famous for these I am statements. Remember at the burning bush, God told Moses, I am that I am. Tell them that I am sent you to them. In ancient uh, Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible called the Septuagint, uh, I am Yahweh is often translated I am, I am. Ego, I me, ego, I me. God is I am. The one who is defined by no other. Nobody else defines him. I am that I am. Well, when Jesus uses that phrase in this sentence, he implies that he is God. He will use it several more times in chapter 8, ending with this statement, before Abraham was, I am. And the Pharisees take up stones to stone him. As they had just taken up stones to stone the adulteress that Jesus had forgiven. I am the light of the world, says Jesus. Not some of the world. The world. A biblical view of reality looks something like this. Above is the sky, same word that is also translated heaven. Above is heaven and below is earth. Uh, which uh, below the earth is, is Hades. Uh, heaven is full of light, life, and love, God. Hades is empty of light, life, and love. It's dark, dead, and evil. And the deeper you sink into Hades, the, the worse it gets. Hades is often, especially in Old English translations, translated hell. We live on the skin of the earth between heaven and hell. This expanse that we exist in is literally the twilight zone between light and dark. Uh, this is a wide-angle view of the very same thing. Look familiar? You see, the world, our world, is a dark bubble of nothingness floating in a sea of light, life, and love, the fullness of God. And one day, according to Scripture, the entire earth will be flooded with light and fire. The entire earth will be filled with Jesus. The invasion has already begun. The cross was the decisive battle. It's the invasion of the truth into the land of lies, the invasion of the light of the world into this world. It's happening now, when and where we live in the twilight zone. Speaking of the twilight zone, my friend Robert Jolinas is the senior pastor over at Colorado Community Church in Aurora. This spring, he borrowed a room here in this building, actually that room right up there in the northeast corner, in order to write a book. He asked me, could I just come work up there and write a book? I said, sure, Robert. Well, one evening, as he was getting ready to go home, he took his uh, uh, camera, or his cell phone, it had a camera on it, and he just filmed uh, the sanctuary, this room, in order um, to show his kids. Well, soon I got a call from Robert saying, Peter, I, I got to send you this video. I took a video of the sanctuary, and, and there's something there. This is the video. 
Do you see that? Okay, one more time. Right there by that window, there's like this dark shadow thing that, that in the video flaps its like wings and flies out of here. Well, that's weird. So uh, <laughs> I, I got that, I grabbed Ben and we looked at it and said, well, that is weird. Um, must be like some kind of weird anomaly in the camera or the way the light shines in the room or something like that. And, and I said a quick prayer in here and then, then we kind of forgot about it. Well, uh, a few days later, I was talking to a, a new couple here, Jason and Heidi, right before the service. And uh, she said to me, she said, hey, Peter, do people ever see stuff in here? And I said, well, yeah, sometimes people see angels. In fact, someone just saw seven angels like during a, during a sermon that was a couple weeks, a few weeks ago. I said, well, sometimes people uh, see angels. And she said, well, that's cool. Um, a few weeks ago, we were sitting here in worship and there was like this big shadow thing that uh, like all of a sudden flapped its wings and flew out of here across that northeast window. We both saw it. Wow. It must not have liked the, the worship, I guess. No, I know, I know this is weird. And so I want to say, please feel free to doubt my integrity, okay? You don't have to believe what I'm about to tell you, but please believe this. Jesus is the light of the world. And we battle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and the world rulers of this present darkness. Well, anyway, I mentioned these things to my wife. And very soon I found myself down here with her on my day off praying through this old building. Several hours we kind of prayed through the building. Together we've had a fair amount of experience praying against demons, even Satan. And over time I've really come to respect this gift that my wife has. Um, she sees things and she hears things. But she can't simply turn it on and off. She sees and hears what Jesus wants her to see and hear, so she can't predict Bronco games or tell you what kind of underwear that, that you're wearing. But I've had enough crazy experiences with her to know that, that it's real. So anyway, we took some communion wine and prayed through the, the building. She, she heard all kinds of stuff. Both she and some other folks in our church had spent some time praying in here, um, believed that some religious authority, some, somewhere in the past, abused some people in this place uh, long ago. Now, I don't know that. That's what... That's what they think. Well, in the Northeast Tower, my wife kept hearing this voice, and it went like this. Shh. 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 She said, Peter, I keep hearing this thing. Shush me. And so I said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you. I bind you. You may not lie. What's your name? And Susan said, its name is Secrets. Secrets. You know, when people are abused, the abuser almost always tries to bind the abused in secrets. You see, evil inhabits lies and secrets. Uh, apart from the darkness, evil has no power. Jesus has defeated it 
We give evil power with lies. Well, we bound secrets and several other nasty things and commanded them to leave, and they did. And then I prayed a prayer, and Susan and I had an experience that I don't think we'll ever forget. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Now, I need to say, I, I don't know exactly what that shadow was. It might have been a demonic spirit named Secrets, I don't know, but perhaps it, it was something else, but I do believe it was a shadow, and shadows are destroyed by light, the light. And I do believe it was a lie. All evil is a lie, and lies are destroyed by the truth. And I'm not sure why God allowed us to see it. I mean, I've never seen anything with these eyes like that before. I'm not sure why God allowed us to see it, except perhaps he wanted us to get rid of it, and he wanted me to talk about it. And one other thing that I'll tell you about in a minute. But now I hope you realize that according to Scripture, we battle that kind of stuff all the time. Darkness and lies. So I don't want to freak you out. I don't want to freak you out. Unless, of course, you are a person who takes refuge in darkness and lies. And then I kind of do want to freak you out. I want to freak you right out of the darkness and lies into the arms of truth and the light who loves you. In other words, I want you to hate sin. And even more, I want you to hate the sin of hiding sin. You see, sin is lack of faith in the truth. Who is the light? Who is love? Sin is faith in lies. So an adulteress, for instance, has faith that in her situation, at that particular moment, for her, adultery is actually best. And that's a lie that traps her. The thief has faith, maybe not in his head, but at least in, in his heart, that the worst place to have the wrong kind of faith. He has faith in his heart that, that in his situation, at that moment, for him, his theft is actually the best. And that's a lie. According to Scripture, we are all unfaithful to God, our bridegroom. And according to Jesus, uh, nothing that we own is really ours. It's a stewardship. So everything that you think you own, well, it's really a theft. We're all sinners. We're all adulteresses and thieves. We have faith in a lie that, well, that God is not good, the best. You see, faith in lies is what gives the old prince of darkness his power. Sin is faith in lies, but the greatest sin is hiding that sin. The greatest danger is lying about the lies, that is, keeping sin a secret. You know, it wasn't the prostitutes and the thieves that crucified Jesus. Actually, they came just like running into the light. It wasn't the prostitutes and thieves that crucified Jesus. It was the prostitutes and thieves who wouldn't admit that they were prostitutes and thieves that crucified Jesus. In other words, it was the religious authorities, the Pharisees. This gospel, especially John, reveals that our sins are paid for already and forgiven. But if we won't admit that we've sinned, we won't admit that our sins have been forgiven. We'll hate the light, for the light is grace, and grace exposes sin by forgiving sin. 
In other words, if I walk up to you and say, hey, I forgive you for murder, well, that is highly offensive. Unless, of course, you've murdered. And then it's good news. So anyway, Pharisees hate the light, hide their hearts in darkness. Jesus told the Pharisees that they were like whitewashed tombs, which was beautiful on the outside, but on the inside were full of dead men's bones. They were ghosts. Uh, they might recite the truth about God out there, but they were not truthful in here. In other words, they were not honest. They were deluded, like they had an insanity of the soul. They were like ghosts. They were hollow, like an empty water skin. In Hebrew, the word is ob. It, it actually means um, ghost. They were hollow. In Greek, a phantasm. It means appearance. It's where we get our word phantom. It means ghost. Well, if you study the Pharisees for very long, you begin to realize, gosh, they look an awful lot like us. <laughs> Religious people trying really, really, really hard to be good. Anytime we trust lies, we sin. And anytime we hide sin, we hide lies in a lie, and we start to become a lie, an empty place of darkness. You see, we turn ourselves into ghosts. Pharisees tried so hard, and what they tried to do was hide their hearts, and they turned themselves into ghosts. The process starts here in this world, and unless it's rectified, it continues after this life. A, a ghost sinks into the earth, a ghost descends into Hades, what some call hell. And now I'm sorry to tell you that everything that you've heard up to this point is an introduction to my sermon. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to have to tell you my point and kind of like preach it next week, okay? So you have to come back. I, I was hoping to preach the rest of chapter 8, which is like 46 verses, and all we've done is read uh, verse 12. At verse 12, uh, Jesus has just judged the adulteress, right? He's just uh, judged her by not judging her. He's just judged her with grace. And the Pharisees judge the grace. And so what do they do? They judge themselves away from the light and into the outer darkness. And then Jesus says this, I am the light of the world. Well, in the rest of chapter 8, I guess some of them kind of come back because they start arguing with Jesus. And Jesus reveals that they are children of the devil. For they love lies and hate the truth. The truth that would set them free. Unless they have faith in him, faith in the truth, unless they're honest, they will die in their sins like ghosts that sink into Hades. And so this is my point. Hate lies and love the truth. Don't listen to lies, don't tell lies, and above all, do not become a lie. Because if you become a lie, you're a ghost. As soon as you sense a lie, run into the light. As soon as you sense a lie, run to the truth. Love the truth. And now you may say, well, that's just it. I don't love the truth because I'm already a lie. I'm a ghost. So this is my point. Jesus is the truth. You terrified of the truth? Jesus is the truth. Crucified 
for you. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is love. Jesus is grace. The truth is grace. The light is grace. And apart from grace, we're all ghosts trapped in a lie. And so, yeah, at times, grace may burn. It's light. It's fire. You will lose your life, for grace will burn away your sin, your lies, your prison, your old life, your illusions. In other words, grace will set you free. Grace will destroy the ghost that was you, and grace will create a new you. So this is my point. The light is grace. The light is always your friend. The light is Jesus. So always run to Jesus. He's your home. And you are his. So anyway, Susan and I sprinkle, sprinkle communion wine all over this old building. So if you feel something sticky, it's probably communion wine. Don't, don't worry about it. And we bound secrets and a bunch of other nasty things. And then we cast them out in Jesus' name. And, and I, I really believe they left. We were then standing in the basement of this tower over here. It's down, it's down below us, this old stone kind of freaky room or whatever. And I thought, okay, I'm going to pray a cleanup prayer. So I said, in the name of, or I'm going to command it. And Jesus gives us authority, you know. But this is what I said. I said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over any evil spirit, anything I'm out of obedience to Jesus the Christ, any entity, any disembodied person, I take authority over you. I command you to come to attention right now in the name of Jesus and reveal your identity and all of a sudden Susan said Peter somebody's here and then she said to her her name is Elise and so I did my thing I said okay in the name of Jesus I take authority over you Elise I command you to tell what gives you the right to be here you may not lie you must speak only the truth and Susan said no 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 Peter 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 stop you, you, you She's not like that. She's scared. She's frightened. She doesn't know why she's here. She's a little old lady. Well, demons lie. But I had bound this thing, and so I thought... What if? And in that moment, I thought of secrets and how secrets keep people in bondage. And we had just cast out secrets. And I, I thought of secrets created in this place and how religious lies trap people in lies. The greatest lie, the lie that traps us all, that God is not good. That God is not grace. And so I said, Elise, You need to go to Jesus. He's not like those bad men. He's not like the others. You need to go to Jesus. And then I said this. I, I wondered if I should say it, but I said it. Elise, Jesus loves you. 
And then Susan said, she's, she's gone. And I thought, okay, that, w- that was weird. You, you know, scripture forbids necromancy, that is consulting with the dead. But you see, I didn't consult. I proclaimed the gospel. Well, we came back upstairs, and we were getting our stuff ready to go. And I remember I went back into that, that room back there to turn off a light or something. I walked back out here, and Susan was standing right here. She was standing right here with this amazed look on her face, and she said, Peter, Peter, I just heard Jesus. I just heard him clear as a bell. Do, do you know what I heard him say? I heard him say, welcome home, Elise. And then I heard Elise say, I was lost. I think she was a ghost. But not anymore. Does that offend you? Now listen closely, if you have questions, You should, you should diligently search the scriptures saying, God, is that even possible? You should ask questions, but but does it offend you? Does the very idea offend you? Does that much grace offend you? Grace that would go that deep, does it offend you? Does it burn you? If it does, Maybe you're a ghost. (laughs) And this is my advice. Don't run from the light. Run straight into the light. For this is the light. On the night that we delivered him up. He took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. Do it in remembrance of me. The invasion is on. And so run to the light. The light is grace. The light is Jesus. The light is good. He wants you to come home. And he wants to come home to you. Tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup. Dark cups are wine, light cups are juice. And before you do, just pray with me. Pray this with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. You are the way. And so to you, I surrender myself. I surrender my darkness. I surrender my lies. And I'm asking you the truth to be the Lord of my life. Come, Lord Jesus.
Amen. And so in the name of Jesus, don't be a ghost. It's tempting. It's tempting to listen to that voice and just say, the truth is too hard. <laughs> it's too much work. It's too much pain. I'm just going to become a secret. But you know what? God doesn't want you to be a secret. You are his trophy of grace. You are children of the light. And so run to the light. That's, that's really all it is. Um, the, the moment you feel like a lie or start become a lie, just grab someone. Confess your sins to them. Confess your sins to God. We think our sins are such a big deal, but actually, you see, they've become no deal because the Lamb of God has borne them away. So why are we hiding? Because we believe a lie. But in the name of Jesus, believe the gospel. Amen. Hey, now, before you go, let me just say, I was thinking to myself, should I even talk about Elise? I mean, that is just freaky weird. And uh, what will people think? And then I thought, well, dang, I want to. Because I'm talking about honesty. And I want this church to be a place of honesty. And honesty is the way. Honesty is how we arrive at the truth. But now, if you have questions, please, you can ask me. Um, on the website, we have a bunch of stuff. I, I think we've said some things um, about the afterlife that aren't really biblical. Um, but you can search all that. You can um, wrestle with all of that. Also, um, I hope that you do come back next week because we'll talk more about all of this, continuing in chapter 8. Um, the sermons now on video are on the website. So if you want to bring someone with you, you can say, hey, this was a freaky weird sermon. Watch it. And then you can take them to the website, okay, and, uh, and bring them with you. But have a, have a great day, great weekend. And uh, if you'd like to hang out here a bit and hobnob, you're more than welcome to do that, okay?